most of the leadership tools that I've seen have the assumption that people are totally rational. I didn't know what to do when things got really emotional. And, and I think that is really the, the unique gift of this toolkit is that it's, it's grounded in psychology and it's giving people kind of a lens for understanding what, to, what happens when emotions get involved, hmm. which let's face it, like human beings are emotional. And, and when we make decisions, most of the research shows that that actually comes, we make decisions emotionally, not we don't make mm -hmm. decisions fully with our intellect. You're listening to a special episode of the Offscript podcast. My name is Mark Coffin, and I am your host. Offscript is produced by Springtide. It's a Canadian charity that teaches about politics. On special episodes of the Offscript podcast, we take a step back from our usual thing, sharing the stories of former MLAs, and we offer interviews and talks from a variety of other programs and events that Springtide does. Sometimes it's related to themes that come up in the podcast, and sometimes it's not. This week, I wanted to share an interview from one of the teachers who regularly offers programs at Springtide. Sarah Thompson teaches Deep Democracy, which is a psychology-based practice for resolving conflict among groups. In a few minutes, I'll share my interview with her, where she shares a taster of what you'll get on a Deep Democracy course, but first, I'd like to share a bit about where this fits in the work we do at Springtide more broadly. Sarah's course is one of the programs that we offer at Springtide, and we're currently working on a 2017-2018 fall-winter calendar for a range of events, of which Sarah's will be one. There's a post up on the Springtide Facebook page right now, and if you go there, you'll get a preview of some of the courses and events that we're considering running in the fall. You can find it by searching for Springtide, all one word, on Facebook, or just heading right to facebook.com slash springtideco. Co. Take a look. We would love to hear your feedback about the programs that are sketched out there and which ones pique your interest. Our newly minted mission statement is the guide for the kind of work and programs that we'll be doing in the future. Our mission at Springtide is to build educational programs and resources that support people who want to make public life more meaningful through their own participation in it. Programs that help you lead political change from start to finish while you bravely exercise your own integrity and embrace the spirit of collectivism. So take a look at what's listed over at the Springtide Facebook page for potential courses and events that are going to happen in the fall of 2017 and winter 2018. And let us know in the comments or send us a private message about what one has your interest piqued. And tell us what your biggest challenge is when it comes to learning how to do politics better yourself. And if there's something that we could do to support you and perhaps others facing the same challenge. One of the programs, the very first program on that list that we'll be offering is a program called Your Brain on Politics. It's a course that I'm going to be teaching in Halifax on Wednesday mornings in late July and early August. In that course, we will explore the work of George Lickhoff, who is a cognitive linguist who studies politics in the United States. He's written several books, including The Political Mind, Don't Think of an Elephant, Know Your Values, and Frame the Debate, and Metaphors We Live By. This course is meant to help participants gain a better understanding of how political values and ideas exist in our brains, and how to communicate and express those values persuasively, and most importantly, how to identify the frames being used by your adversaries, and how to reframe in a way that protects your own values and ideas when airing them publicly. Uh, Lakoff's work has focused almost exclusively on American politics, so what you'll get in this course that you wouldn't get from picking up one of those books off the shelf is local and timely examples where we're going to explore the kind of frames being used in Nova Scotia and Canadian politics and even uh, dig into some of the uh, 
areas that whoever shows up in the room is working with in terms of the kind of framing and uh, cognitive metaphors that are at play. It's going to be fun. It's going to be experiential. You'll leave with practical tools that you can begin using immediately in your own work. Anybody interested in becoming a more authentic, influential, and persuasive communicator should consider signing up. The course starts on Wednesday, July 26th. You can register for it now on the Springtide website at springtide.ngo events. The only way to guarantee your spot is to do it early. Okay, on to this week's special episode interview. This is my conversation with Sarah Thompson, who's going to be teaching an introductory course on deep democracy on September 25th and 26th. Registration for that course is already starting to fill up and space is limited because we want to make sure everybody gets a chance to learn from Sarah. So it's a fairly small course. Uh, and we encourage you to log on, same spot, springtide.ngo slash events to register for her course. Uh, if you do so before August 25th, you will get an early bird discount that'll save you about $50 off the cost of that course. Just a note about the conversation Sarah and I uh, have in this podcast. It was recorded for Facebook Live back in the spring, right before the last course that Sarah offered. So we mentioned a couple of dates uh, once or twice that will have already passed. Um, but uh, you now know that the dates for the very next course are September 25th and 26th. All right, here's our conversation. I was living in South Africa running uh, an, a nonprofit organization that was working with um, young leaders who were trying to make social change. All of these really, really super visionary, inspired, intelligent, skillful people would come together to kind of go to unlearning programs or learn from places where there was some really excellent best practice around the world. Because they were coming from so many different cultures, there was often this kind of real rub of misunderstanding and assumptions about each other and things would often really blow up in very painful ways um, with all of these very well-intentioned people and um, and I have you know been involved in kind of leader of many many different leadership development methods and and but I often felt like I, they were falling short um, when conflict really came into the room when like kind of real when people sort of dug in um, and things started to get toxic, a lot of the stuff that I've I've seen doesn't account for most of the leadership tools that I've seen have the assumption that people are totally rational. I didn't know what to do when things got really emotional. And and I think that is really the, the unique gift of this toolkit is that it's it's grounded in psychology and it's giving people kind of a lens for understanding what to, what happens when emotions get involved. Hmm. Which let's face it, like human beings are emotional. And, and when we make decisions, most of the research shows that that actually comes, we make decisions emotionally, not we don't make mm -hmm. decisions fully with our intellect. And so we justify them with our intellect. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What is deep democracy? Where does it come from? Deep democracy is uh, an approach and a toolkit, a set of practices for leaders, facilitators, community organizers, um, anyone who's working with people, uh, and working with complex challenges um, that gives really both uh, a really helpful framework and map for understanding how groups function um, and also some really specific toolkits for how to make decisions um, and how to resolve conflicts and tensions when they emerge. Um, and also just for understanding your own role as a leader and sort of where you're coming from as a leader and how that affects um, how aligned or stuck the groups that you're going to be working with will get. 
And where did it really, like, how did it emerge as a practice? Who, who came up with it? Deep Democracy, the, the toolkit of Deep Democracy that I teach comes from my mentor, a woman named Myrna Lewis, who is a South African woman um, who I met when I was living in Johannesburg. And uh, she was trained as a clinical psychologist. And, um, and she and her husband uh, learned uh, a kind of approach from a, a man named Arnold Mindell called process-oriented psychotherapy. Uh, that's like a very kind of profound, cutting-edge um, way of seeing and understanding and working with groups that um, really is kind of rooted in a, a very kind of holistic, almost quantum physics view of the world. And uh, she and her husband were back in South Africa and um, were invited by the power company, which is the largest employer of in South Africa at the time, uh, to do some work with one of their biggest divisions right around the time that apartheid was ending in South Africa. And so um, the leader of that company was a very visionary man who wanted to, as quickly as possible, transform the company alongside of the transformation that was happening in the country to create... Um, kind of a leadership practice and a way of, of being in the company that really embodied um, the sort of equity and shared leadership across racial lines that was that was emerging in the company, um, but was also obviously incredibly difficult given the traumatic past and the sort of legacy that apartheid was leaving um, on, you know, the company structure, the company hierarchy in as it was all across the com country, would have been very kind of racially delineated and there would have been uh, very little kind of communication and respect um, going downwards, really. And so uh, this leader decided to really flatten the hierarchy and try to create functional teams where people would be working together across ethnicities and across kind of levels of the company. And in it, basically very quickly things broke down because the the relationships were so broken there was so much kind of animosity and and trauma and kind of just lack of knowing how to work together um and so greg and myrna her myrna lewis and her husband greg over about three years trained um close to three thousand people and in the process of working with kind of top executives to very kind of frontline um workers developed an approach to making decisions and resolving conflicts um, that is very simple, but also very powerful. Hmm. And what, I guess that's post-apartheid South Africa, what is it that you hear when you're kind of uh, connecting with people who have taken one of these programs in a setting that's more like kind of Nova Scotia business and nonprofit and kind of working government? Like what do people get uh, out of this program that uh, is kind of like uh, applicable in, in this culture and in this kind of social context? Yeah, well, I think I think both in Nova Scotia and in the work that I do kind of around the world, I think in general, most people who work with people find the most kind of time-consuming and challenging part of that work is when things kind of go south and hmm. and and friction emerges in the team or there's a feeling of conflict or just a feeling of things being stuck 
Um, and so in general, I think, and, and I think so many of us are conflict averse. So many of us are really afraid of kind of facing conflict of going into things that seem turbulent and chaotic um, and and of having difficult conversations and I think a lot of what of what the toolkit does and and what the course the experience of the course gives people is really a little bit of like demystifying something that feels really scary and chaotic by giving a set of map kind of road maps of what's going on and giving some really effective kind of steps and tools to um, to apply that it's like this is really scary but if I ha if I have a little bit of anchor of knowing what to do it almost it almost makes it less scary and makes it more able to kind of enter into those conversations um, and last week I just had like three recent participants emailing me like it showed up in my meeting today and I did it and it went really well mm. or this this kind of thorny conversation happened and it really changed my ability to feel like I could lead in that situation. And and I think there's also, um, yeah, just the sense that it's very practical, but it actually can be very transformative. The, the mm. underlying um, assumption of the method is that um, conflict is part of life. It's not necessarily kind of a bad thing to be avoided, but it's but it's a reality that we need to face. And that when there's that rub of difference, when there's that kind of um, pulling of what I think should happen versus what you think should happen or my style versus your style, it's when we avoid it, it festers. But if we address it with with some clarity, it's it's usually an opportunity for everyone involved to learn. And it's often an opportunity for our kind of strategy to move in, in a, a direction that's much more effective and kind of um nuanced to all of the kind of mm -hmm. dynamics involved and it seems like um from my experience with the programs and the method that there's something to it that's kind of like um you know all conflicts are different in the sense that like there's something different that's like frustrating me and you but like the nature of conflict is quite similar whether it's you know, a really simple situation like you know who's responsible for this on our project team or uh, a much more kind of like high-level discussion like what should we be as an organization uh, or where do we want to go as a movement or, or whatever it might be so I've certainly found that uh, in my experience with the program it's uh, my presumption has always been that before um, like on the kind of the outside of conflict like before heading into what might be a really tense argument is that um, in my head, I say, well, if we open that, it's going to open so many other cans of worms, but actually using a method like this actually kind of seems to take a lot of the scary things away and makes it much more tangible and gives you the chance to not only not open many more cans of worms, but have a closer relationship with whoever it is that's part of that conflict. Mm, yeah. I wonder if it's a good time just to transition into mm. what kind of things are people going to learn on the course? So the, the, the methodology is really based on the core, me uh, the core metaphor, which many, many things are because this core metaphor um, comes from the sort of grandfather of Western psychology, Uncle Freud, um, but the metaphor of the iceberg. And the idea of the iceberg, again, is that 
as humans, part of what we're doing is conscious. Part of what we're doing, we know that we're doing it. Um, so just like an iceberg, if you're if you're in, in Newfoundland looking at off the coast, um, part of the iceberg you can see. Um, and part of what we're doing is unconscious. So <clears throat> I'm aware that I'm here with Mark on this on this Facebook live chat. Um, but just until this moment, I was totally unaware of the way that I was playing with this, the marker in my hand. Um, and and m most research says that we use a very, very small percentage of our, of our, the capacity, the potential of our brain. So the idea here is that um, what's above the waterline, we know it, we're aware of it, we're conscious, it's kind of the rational part of us. And what's below the waterline are the things that we don't know that, that are going on or unconscious, are kind of irrational and emotional. And the bias of the method is that our potential or our wisdom partly lies in this unconscious, the part that we're not using because we're not aware of it. Co-resolved deep democracy is, is very interested in groups. The nice thing about it is that everything we learn can very much apply at the individual level, at the kind of partnership level, at the team level, and also at the kind of organizational and systems level. But, but we're, we're mostly, a lot of it is about group dynamics and conflict in groups. So if we apply this way of looking at things to groups, the idea of a conscious is the thing that gets said when everybody's there and everybody's paying attention. And the things that are in the unconscious are the things that aren't said or the things that are only said in small subgroups. Um, and so then we talk a lot about if we think about our team or our organization, and if you're listening right now, I would love you actually to think about your your family, think about your workplace, think about a volunteer organization that you're involved in, um, and, and really think about the idea of this waterline is how much do people feel really free to say what needs to be said when everybody's there? Um, and that's really another way that we kind of access the wisdom is we say what needs to be said. And I, if you're anything like me, there are certain situations in your life, uh, your work, your team, your organization, your family, where there's a lot of things that remain unsaid, where there's a lot of things that people are thinking and feeling that they're not going to say in mixed company when everybody's there. And, and the, the kind of emphasis here isn't that we should just always be blabbing out everything that, that we're thinking all the time. That would obviously be very unproductive. But there's a lot of things that actually need to be said, things that are very important, things that are kind of really important and true for the people who are feeling them, but also um, intelligence for the business and the organization, things that people know and understand about what's going on that, that they feel they don't feel safe enough, they feel like it would be kind of politically disadvantageous or career limiting, they don't trust the other people. Um, in the room enough to say, and so really great intelligence that would be very useful to the situation is not being made available to the team. Um, and so we call that kind of having a very high water line. And so hopefully I would imagine that that kind of resonates for people. And, and so that then the idea of deep democracy is to say, if this is true, if, if the more in our team and group, people are kind of free to say the things that are important to be said. Um, the more productive, uh, helpful, useful, kind of um, strategic will be, 
then how do we lower that water line? How do we create a space, a space that's really safe enough um, for lots of, for people to really say what needs to be said? And when they're not, you, you, can, you can feel that something's going on. Um, and in, in Deep Democracy Co-Resolve, we call that there's a fish. Um, you know, just like people would often say, there's an elephant in the room. When we're using the, the metaphor of, of, of deep democracy, we could say there's, like, there's a fish swimming around. There's something going on, and we often feel like we don't know what it is, but it's, it's blocking us or getting in the way. Um, and so the whole kind of toolkit is about helping us become aware of what, what, what is the thing that's blocking us, what is the thing that's, that's kind of getting in our way of feeling like we can say what needs to be said. That thing is often emotional. It's n often not rational. Um, we feel hurt. We feel discounted. There's a loss of trust. There's some kind of frustration or anger. Um, and if we're able to kind of uh, become aware of what that is and sort of release it, then we can again have a very kind of highly functional, productive uh, group situation. But as we know, that's often not the case. Um, and and we I'm, we're gonna, on the course, we're also gonna talk about a sort of a diagnostic tool, a way of understanding how does conflict build? How do kind of dysfunctional teams, you know, usually when, when we start a new organization or we start a new job or we start a new relationship, there's a feeling of kind of hope and optimism. Um, and yeah, we, we were there for the right reason and there's, it feels like there's a ton of possibilities. Um, but over time, little things happen and they build up and things get worse and worse. The whole idea is how can we notice things when they're quite small, have the bravery to say what needs to be said or to help somebody else say what needs to be said um, when it's really not that big of a deal so that it doesn't get to the point where it becomes very costly emotionally, financially, um, in terms of our reputation and the reputation of the organization. Um, and and so it just kind of then practically um, on, on this course, we're going to talk about the sort of inner qualities that we need to develop as a leader uh, to, to create situations where there's a, a lot of buy-in and connection and kind of ease in really having difficult conversations and, and, and getting to good outcomes. Um, and a lot of those inner qualities have to do with of being clear about what you think, being kind of brave and clear about your own perspective. Um, and then being able to really lean back and say the way that I think isn't the only way and that I'm actually genuinely curious about other people's perspective. Um, so we, we call that the kind of umbrella that's over the toolkit. Then we have a kind of a whole set of ways of thinking about an interventions for, for how we make decisions when, when it is a pretty rational place and we are in a space where everyone's kind of feels pretty free to talk when there's lots of different ideas or people are pulling in lots of different directions, it still can be very difficult to kind of converge on one decision and figure out where we're going to be going. And so there's a, a kind of a whole toolkit for how do we make decisions, you know, really formal official decisions and just little tiny moment by moment, what are we doing about this in our meetings or our conversations um, and really drawing on um, the wisdom of the quiet voices 
And then when things do get stuck and, and they are kind of moving down the, the line of resistance, and often that is marked by some kind of digging in or polarity where we start to see that it's that I'm like this and you're like that, or there's a camp that feels like this and a camp that feels like that, um, to be able to very early on kind of resolve small conflicts and tensions. Um, and so there's a kind of a whole toolkit um, that enables that it enables us kind of pretty quickly um, and efficiently, as Mark was saying, without necessarily having to get into the whole can of worms um, to to pull apart and identify where the real rub is and to mm -hmm. kind of get underneath that and and resolve it so that we can again make a decision that that people are mostly really bought into and that there's not a bunch of stuff that kind of baggage that people are holding on to that's going to drag in the implementation. Hmm. Thanks for that. I, before having taken this course, would have said that I'm one of the people that would have kind of stayed a bit more quiet if I had something to say at risk of kind of uh, kind of hurting a relationship or hurting uh, the, the place I went to work every day. Um, but then there are other people who take the approach that, like, I'm saying everything and I don't need a method. I'm just going to tell you what I think. What are the risks of going with that approach, with sort of saying, like, I don't need a course in conflict, conflict resolution, or I don't need a course that helps me kind of go down this constructive path of having an argument. I say what I, I have in my mind. Yeah, and I, th I mean, I think, I think the best way to answer your question is, is that there is this real yin and yang of, of being able to speak up when something's important, and then being able to, to really listen and be curious to the other perspectives. I think those of us that are maybe extroverts and um, and maybe are kind of more confident or more shoot shoot from the hippers, um, <laughs> our blind spot can be not actually paying attention to how that's affecting everybody else and mm -hmm. how our, our, our loudness might be silencing other voices. Um, and so I think kind of either way, there's finding this like balancing act um, of of kind of speeding up and bringing in some clarity when that's needed mm. and kind of slowing down and bringing in some listening when that's needed. And I think for everybody, um, what's often going on is that we think that the way that we see the world is the way the world is. And when you're sitting around the table of five or six or seven people, there's five or six or seven ways of seeing reality. And if we're going to do something really effectively together as a team where we're all in Engaging our best mm -hmm. um, skills and resources and commitment, and that's like giving us the fullest picture of what's really going on out there and the problem that we're trying to solve. Mm -hmm. We have to figure out a way to actually be seeing the more complete picture, and that's what we're doing when we're lowering the waterline. Mm -hmm. And so the toolkit, I think, is and the the approach of deep democracy is really about being able to see that see that whole view and help everybody else see that whole view so that we have more of a common a common understanding of what's going on that's kind of taking into account each of our perceptions and not assuming that our perception is reality. Thanks for listening to this special episode of the Offscript Podcast. If you'd like to join Sarah and learn more about how to use deep democracy in your own work, life, and political activism, we encourage you to log on springtide.ngo slash events to register for her course. Uh, if you do so before August 25th, you'll get an early bird discount that'll save you about $50 off the cost of that course.